Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. So I think a lot of the work about vulnerability on stage has to do with how well do you know yourself? Start with what's true and make it funny. That's like the best thing that I can tell you. What I try to encourage people is find some three dimensions, find the contradictions in you, find the unique things in you, and write from those places. Just people telling the truth and the audience responds so viscerally and to the truth. Hot breath. What is goody, hot breath-verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath. The show where you learn comedy from the pros. This episode today is part of the weekly live stream we do on YouTube. And I am so jazzed because today's guest embodies the spirit of hot breath. Ever since the age of five, while in a hospital with an autoimmune disease, she thought there's got to be a better way. And this has been the mantra to help her navigate this crazy comedy world we all know so too well. She noticed while in L.A. the comedy scene being too showcasey and one providing an opportunity for people not getting them. So she started Uncabaret, which now just celebrated 25 years running. And with hope to help others stop thinking and start doing, she has released a new book called So You Need to Decide. It features comedians like Margaret Cho, Bob Odenkirk, and many more. So please welcome to the Hot Breath of Verse. The Lady LA Times calls the godmother alternative comedy, Beth Lapides, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Beth, everyone. Thank you, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do a little, a little applause break there. There we go. A little applause sound effect. Yes, yes, yes. Comedy royalty is in the building. Thank you so much for joining us, Beth. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> So honestly, like in, in researching you, the big thing that really pulled at my heartstring and what we're doing here at Hot Breath is your mentality around community and your whole vision of like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yes. So, I mean, honestly, with comedy, like a little backstory on Hot Breath really started as me not being a cool kid in my own comedy scene, it being very negative and competitive and me wanting to create a positive and supportive community for comedians to just develop and get good and not have to worry about all these other factors that can hold us back from just developing and finding our voice. So what has been your experience with community and how have you been able to use it to really start creating your own opportunities for yourself and others? Well, that's a great question, and I'm so glad that you um, you sound like you're in a personal revolution, and that's amazing. Um, I guess at first, I did not think about creating community. That wasn't like a goal, um, but I knew that I did want to be around like-minded people to a certain extent, and that evolved into community partly because of the audience. Um, the, as we were building on cabaret and it was becoming what it was and it was a different kind of comedy and we were trying to educate everyone about what that was and people started coming and, um, they started bringing their friends and we were realizing, well, we can't do repeating material because we're getting the same audience back week after week. And so though the lineup was changing weekly, I was realizing, okay, I don't want to be sticky and um, not only loose, but it's really got to, there's got to be a big turnover of material. Mm -hmm. But in a way, like a church or synagogue where you come every week, there's like a consistency of message underneath what the differences are. And um, I think there was a big push to create the material, but the audience really was part of it. I mean, so I always try to think, I'm just so, this, you're, I, we're doing the backwards camera thing. It's so crazy. Okay. 
Oh, you're right. <laughs> you look. If if it helps, Evelyn said, "I love Beth's hair." I love that, Evelyn. That's the so. most. You know, I'll tell you something. When I was first coming up, Dennis Miller was on Saturday Night Live, and I met Dennis Miller at a Saturday Night Live after party, and I introduced myself as I was introduced as a stand-up comedian, young stand-up comedian, and Dennis told me the secret to comedy was hair. <laughs> So I don't know. That might be more valuable than anything else I can tell you tonight. <laughs> All right, go home, kids. Go grow your hair out. That's the secret. Hilarious. So, yeah. but you know, the the community of Uncabaret grew very organically. I mean, you know, people were loving doing it, and so they were bringing their friends who also had, you know, were feeling bottled up, and so it grew into this thing that was. I would tell people do material that your head is going to explode if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And now I think I would revise that and say your heart maybe or your whole self, maybe not just your head, but a similar kind of, um, you know, energetic have to ness. I love it. Oh, and they, um, Bob says, oh, wait, Joan said I was onto something and didn't know. Oh, because Joan has hair like yours. Joan oh. is a very active member of our community. So when I shared you were going to be on here, people were commenting that um, that they had y'all had the same hair. So Joan must be onto something here. Joan, Man, sister. Sorry. But yeah, for, for people that may not know, could you kind of run down the format of Uncabaret? Okay, the format is really, um, people say, is it a stand-up show or is it a storytelling show? And I really like to say it's a story-based stand-up show. Unlike a storytelling show where you sort of get on your land and you tell a story. This is, there are many, you can do a set that has many stories in it. It can be one story that has happened uh, many times. And it's... um, the most important thing is that it's in the now that it's focused in the now mm. and it's not like the, here's some just random material. You're not repeating it just because it's funny. You, you yourself are exploring as the audience is exploring. And what I think I'm doing pretty good for hearing an echo. Just everybody should know I'm hearing an echo. Oh, you're hearing an echo. Oh, yeah. after all we tried, after all we tried, Oh, Technology has But that's, plans. you know, that's an important thing, too. It's always going to be something. <laughs> that's true. So you might as well just accept it, it turns out. There's always going to be something. Especially with, it's like... Always, you're always, you know, you want to be enough that... Anyway, yeah. No, that's please. Not. What were you going to say? No, that's it. More you questions. You always want to be enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you always want to have enough so you can play with whatever's there. It really, especially in like something creative, like doing like stand up or live performing, is we can take it so personally and want everything to be so perfect instead of like enjoying the process. I mean, I've been doing comedy 12 years and I have to still catch myself focusing on gratitude and not where is my blah, 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 you know, where is my insignificant accomplishment I can put on a flyer, you know, like even 12 years in, I have to battle this. And I've interviewed people 20 years in, there's still like that mental back and forth that we just have to kind of learn how to control or accept, I guess. Well, you do want to feel like you're getting somewhere in life. (laughs) even if it's just an illusion (laughs) even though life isn't linear and uh time doesn't exist and careers are manufactured you know you do want to feel like progress not perfection Mm -hmm. and but you do want to feel there is progress so those can be personal benchmarks and it's great to have personal benchmarks i want to have a new 10 minutes by April 1st, I want to do new 10, new 10 minutes every month. I want to make sure I'm on stage 20 times a month. I want to uh, do material. I mean, to me, the most important benchmarks are, you know, am I doing personal material? Do I know my story? Am I working from an authentic place? Is it exciting to me? Um, but then you want to feel like if you're giving that much to it, you want to feel like 
you're in the right, you're working on the right thing. You know, you don't want to feel like, what am I doing? Yeah, that's so interesting. You go to like getting personal on stage and talking about things that excite you. And I'm sure you've seen people, even just in Uncabaret, the more they do it, maybe the more they come out of their shell and things like that. And especially young comics struggle with going into that personal place. Do you have any tips or any things you've learned to kind of get to those places or how to even find them? Yeah. Three things. One is talk to your real friends. Stand up is conversation. So whether it's in therapy or with your family, that seems unlikely, but with friends, especially, what do you really say to your real friends on the, I mean, I used to say on the phone, but we don't all talk on the phone as much as we used to. Um, but whether it's, you know, wherever it is, what are you really thinking? So I think a lot of the work about vulnerability on stage has to do with how well do you know yourself? Mm. When I work with younger comedians, I do various exercises that have to do with self-knowledge as much as, um, timing or you know one of the great we can always make something funny if it's true but if you just start with oh it's funny then try to find what's true start with what's true and make it funny that's like the best thing that i can tell you there's a lot of things that have happened on stage for me and things that i've seen people do that are surprisingly funny just people telling the truth and the audience responds so viscerally and to the truth. Mm. Um, one of the problems that Uncabaret tried to address was the short setups that regular comedy clubs have. Like, how really deep can you get if your setup has to be fast enough to keep the rhythm of what a comedy club is. You know, I'm short, I'm fat, I'm single, I'm gay, I'm a woman, I'm Jewish. You know, these are the setups that they're one dimensional. So what I try to encourage people is find some three dimensions, find the contradictions in you, find the unique things in you and write from those places. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> I avoided writing my uncups at all morning. It's so hard. Personal... I mean, it's not complicated, but it isn't easy. <laughs> that's a ooh, that's a bar right there. That is a bar. So I'm in Atlanta, I mean, so I just know bar means you dropped a, a gym there. Oh okay, all right. I like that. <laughs> but it is, it is like you said, it's. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. So is it just like being aware of it first off and then, okay, let me even just list out things that are true about me and then go back and see what's funny and just kind of start piece by piece? Yes. And the weirdest things about you. And also, you know, are you painfully shy? Are you obsessed with sports? Are you... OCD? Are you both OCD and messy? Are you, you know, afraid of relationships? Are you attachment avoidant? Are you, I mean, there's so much therapy stuff you can get into. Um, and start from store, you know, one, I, I love to suggest both starting from story and starting from sort of the deep work of analyzing yourself mm. so you do the analyzation and that's sort of vague but now if you go to the story about you went to get donuts and the guy didn't want to get let you in front of the line and now you've ended up with the worst donuts but because you have the worst donut i don't know what your story is but you know there's something that happened and it's a good story those are the stories you want to bring to stage, but the way you make them bigger and make them your own very especially is because you know yourself and you know that you happen to be somebody who 
never eats. This is, I mean, you ask, have to ask yourself in a story, does this always happen to you or never happen to you? Is it so like you to be at the place with the donuts and the guy gets in front of you? Because every time you're in line, people can never see you. Or is it like, I'm always this person. I'm always the first, you know, I'm usually that guy. And now I feel weird or, you know, so who are you in that story? And, um, you know, try to find a beginning, a middle and an end for your story. But it's not as necessary in stand up as it is in, you know, you do want an end. I mean, a bim, a bam and a boom. But you can make up your this is another changing topics mm-hmm. in stand up. You can change the ending because the ending, it's not a narrative film. It's not a sitcom. It doesn't have to unravel logically. Um I always think of this one. I don't know why this is an example that pops in my head. Patton Oswalt in in uh, Luna Park on Cabaret Days has a piece, I think it's on one of our CDs, that um, he had a guy from prison that was calling like with prison calls named Pele, I think. And there was no... And he kept missing the calls. That's how long ago it was. Missing the calls. <laughs> they were on his answering machine, children. We had these machines that took answer, you know, like recorded messages. And he kept getting these messages from this guy, Pele, I think. And um, but in the end, you know, he sort of made up a, an answer to him, like you can create the end of a story. The end of the story can be just in your mind, can be a made up thing you wish had happened, can be what mm. you would have said. It's not, it doesn't have to have played out exactly. Um, so you do want an end to a story, but it doesn't have to be something that happened. Yeah, like based in truth and then embellished for comedic effect. It's still the truth. It's still the truth, but it's the truth of your mind. That's the thing you have to remember. The truth isn't just what happened. The truth of you, and you're not saying like, oh, this is what happened. You're like, if only he had called when I was home, what I would have told him was, you know, that's still the truth. Mm -hmm. Just didn't happen. Of course, the great stories of everything that happened, we like that. But a lot of what is interesting in comedy is what's happening on the inside. Yeah, there's what I've felt is there's your when you can create a connection with the audience, when you can create it's almost like an invisible you create a connection through evoking laughter. But there's almost like when you get into deeper material, it just feels different. The audience reacts different and they you have different discussions with them after the show versus, oh, you were funny and they don't remember anything you said versus, oh, my gosh, like you said, I'm OCD also. Or that reminded me of my uncle or whatnot like it's almost the things we feel like won't create a connection because it's too personal actually end up creating a deeper connection no what everybody told me about the book is everyone was so vulnerable in it and um you know that's what we're looking for it's what we're all looking for is connection that's Mm -hmm. the whole thing and you know, there's theories about addiction that it really, it, you know, it's about isolation and alienation and there's all sorts of studies. But, you know, just in your heart, you want to be connected to people. I mean, it's not science. It's love. Oh, it's not science. It's love. Bars out <laughs> here. Oh, my gosh. Not disappointing here. I love it. <laughs> And speaking of which, here I'm gonna I'm gonna try to um, I'm gonna see if I can get you more. There we go. Cool. So uh, Bob Kirk has a question here. I think it's on the topic of us. Um, he says, "Is it good to ask your friends how they see you? If so, would some good what would be some good questions to ask them?" Oh, that's a great question. Sure. Um... Get input. Absolutely. I think what are some, what do you think? Well, first of all, what do you like about me? I mean, Mm. there's there, because as a comedian, you are almost always there as a friend. What kind of friend, you know, there's many choices, you know, are you somebody that somebody wants to sit around and bullshit with? 
Are you somebody that somebody wants to confide in? Um, so ask, you know, what do you like about me? <laughs> what are the weirdest things about me? What stories have I told you that you remember? Like, what are my best stories? Um, those would be great places to start. You know, I say look for, if you do a, um, a triangle and you try to find three, this is such a great exercise, three defining characteristics, those three, and you'll say three is, I can't be reduced to three baths. But you can. <laughs> and those three things can be, um, I'm a New Yorker, I'm single, um, it can be gender, it can be sexuality. Some people identify with those things, some people don't. Um, it, it can be, I'm, a, I'm an only child, it can be, I'm a, you know, I'm blonde, I'm a ditzy blonde. Um, and each corner doesn't have to be one word either. So you say you might have Jewish in a corner. That might be overthinking. That might be, um, you know, any sorts of, you know, guilt-oriented things, uh, I say for myself. Um, <laughs> so try to tease out three different parts of yourself. And if a story contains all three things... and most likely two will be super obvious and one will be not obvious. And uh, when I work with people, a lot of times it's not right. People will bring in things and two are, seem more or less on the nose. And one is, it's often hard to find that third thing. Um, and don't use comedian or writer as one. That's a given. That's in the center of your creative life. So... Um, what else can I tell you about that? So that's one thing. Help, have your friends help you fill that in. Okay. Would So for like me, mm -hmm. uh, just to like do the exercise in real time, like it would be like, I'm tall. I'm white. Does that really give you a lot of stories? Does that define your okay, life? So, okay. So the exercise is to try to triangulate three things to create a story. About three things that are really going to be places you can look for stories. For instance, you said you lived in Atlanta. Right. Is that important? Uh, it could be. I mean, I I came up in a lot of shows where I was the only white person in the zip code. So white, white. There we go. E uh, <laughs> evil white male devil patriarch. White. Maybe these. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, white, um, married. Caucasian. What are you? Scottish, Irish, British? Um, I don't, I'm probably all of them. I don't know. I. You don't even know. Do a little work on that. <laughs> That's a good point. You should know what you are. That's yeah. I just I'm just trying to yeah. Get through I've, the day. I mean, I've I'm I I recently started therapy because of I was having issues with being white. Okay, there, right there. I yeah. mean, you've just unpacked a huge. Who do you think? I mean, don't you think other people are having issues with being white? Pro yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's that's edgy. I mean, you rarely hear. I don't haven't heard about anybody talk about being white in a while. Okay. So that I might be one. I'm not saying it is, but it might be. Are yeah. you single? Are you? Uh, I'm married. Okay. Been married five That's... years. Okay, you're young, married. You're in an early young marriage. Mm -hmm. Is that 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 seems like there's probably I'm not saying for sure, but that seems likely place to look for stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh... conflicts in the marriage. She's so this. I'm so that. Without making it be about men and women. Oh yeah, yeah. Just I'd you never... and her. A I fight you had, through. something you really agree on. It doesn't have to be we're both so. She can echo you. She can be a sort of, um, in your story, she could be, a you know, riding shotgun. She doesn't have to be against you. It doesn't have to be a fight. Um, I think one thing to also, I like to tell people starting to learn to use story on stage is actually make sure the stories are about you. Mm. 
a lot of times people are like, well, my uncle's so funny or my best friend's so crazy or, you know, it's like, well, we don't even know you. So we barely care about you. I mean, basically you want people to care about you. That's what you're trying to do Boom. is get people to care about you. And cause you're caring about them. I mean, one of the other things is um, the idea of, this is very liberating, I think. I mean, if you think of comedy as a liberation, um, the idea that you're actually uh, giving laughs instead of getting laughs. I People heard... get on stage and think yeah. they're trying to get something. Once you forget about that, you're not trying to get anything. All you're trying to do is give. I heard I heard Michael Jr. say that. He he's a um, a comedian big in like the church circuit. I heard him say that in an interview. Um so interesting. That would be I'd like to be big in the church circuit. Do you think that a Jew can No ah! <laughs> <laughs> Church Circuit sounds so great. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um uh, so did did you start to understand the triangle there? Was I helping you? Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like white marriage and therapy would be. No, true. I'm not sure about therapy. Therapy just helps you maybe with those two. Finding a story. Um, okay. I think the other one might be more emotional, and it would probably be more than you would want to do on this call. But you know, something that some personality trait that you are, you know, hmm. perfection, perfectionism. You mentioned that kind of thing um sometimes people have anger issues those are angry you know that whole palette is very helpful i mean if you have anger you that comedy is the perfect place to use it yeah i mean i guess i mean my i've been through two divorces and my you've been through two divorces well, my mom, third my mom was divorced twice. No, I wasn't divorced. Oh. Twice. <laughs> it's like but you I guess very young to have had two divorces. Well, I'm 34. Um, Still, that's young to have been divorced twice and married a third time. <laughs> yeah, I um, but people are saying in the chat uh, sugar addiction. It's weird having a community. They know too much about me. I, I, I'm oh, been very okay. vocal that's about nice. my sugar addiction. So a few people sugar are saying that. Is, that's real. I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's very real. I mean, what's it about? And I'm not talking about just like, oh, I needed to eat a candy bar. But I'm talking about like, what's it about? Where does it come from? Mm -hmm. What is the sugar carrying over? Why did you need it? That afternoon that you broke down, what was happening? You know, that kind of stuff. Boom. Maybe okay. it's just part of another story. Okay. All right. Oh, I have to I have to put this on my copay. Thank you so much, Beth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. So, um, oh, and Bob asked the name of the book again. It's called So You Need to Decide, which funny was a placeholder that ended up being the name of the actual book. So that was funny. Yeah. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you all. And if anyone has any questions for Beth, feel free to um, post them here. Pamela said, so refreshing to hear a white person say they're going to therapy for being white. <laughs> um, well, there you go. You already got good feedback. Nice. I think my work here is done. <laughs> and I am, uh, I'm pasting a link to her book in uh, the live it's chat. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Audible. You can use your Audible credit to get it. Kaboom. Yeah, it's so interesting. I love being around creative people because I know like you have you have a knack and like a bend for like innovation. I know it's something that like I've heard you say like attracts you even with like your comedy world show that was like it was internet, it was terrestrial. Like yeah. you're always looking for these. I've, it's something Jeff Foxworthy called like the empty parking place on here. He said when uh, we had him on that he always looks for the empty parking space of where there isn't someone or where's the innovation. Mm -hmm. So you, you got my wheels turning on where's the innovation with what we're doing here at hot breath and how can we maybe find an empty parking space that is also innovative? You know, I love connecting with people that think in four dimensions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so what, do, what do you see with where, comedy is or just maybe just 
the creative industry in general. I mean, there's actually a term now, the creator economy, where people are actually monetizing their creativity. Have you, do you have your ear to the ground on maybe any innovation going on there or where you maybe see trends going? No. <laughs> you're like, I barely figured out how to get on this live stream. All right. I don't know what you're talking about. Creator. No, you know, we innovated with Zoom. I mean, Uncabaret was one of the first Zoom shows and um, we did our first Zoom show, you know, March 20 something. That was just so fast. I mean, we pivoted mm -hmm. to use that awful word so hard um, and we're still doing the Zoom shows. And that community is also somewhat different than the live show community because it's again, national, international and we've been able to reach, you know, all sorts of people. We have Zooms, all the people who are all watching this should just go get on our Zoom, you know, we get on the mailing list or socials and follow and we do them once a month now. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say what, it's always, I mean, what is the innovation? The innovation is whatever medium, the technology people come up with, creative people will figure out a way to be interesting in it. Is it an NFT? Is it Zoom? Is it live YouTube? There's always people using it, but it's the real innovation. I mean, and it, you know what the audiobook was, the original audiobook. It did, what didn't start out as a book. I was, But what was important was using it for something. It's not just the technical experimentation. It's are you using it? I, I mean, I love your emphasis on community and, and are you using it to help people connect or... I mean, I think with the new stuff, there's always the best and the worst. I mean, with content creation, there's very icky, so much icky, just awfulness. And But there's also greatness. Mm -hmm. You be true to yourself. I think the thing that I tell myself and what is important is you can't do it all and figure it out. And, you know, do you need to be doing TikTok? Maybe you do. Yeah, well, that, that's even something that I... I'm currently trying to find a balance with is that I'm a comedian of 12 years who've been, who's been working on like my career and trying to build opportunities there. And then also having this podcast and this community and trying to build this up as well and trying to figure out where to allocate attention or energy or like, so hard. it's like, yeah, that decision of like, all right, just decide, as you say, you know, it's like, I'll may, and then maybe I'll go through a phase of like, I'm doing this. I've, I've set a goal. I'm going. And then like a week later, I'm like, but there's a, there's a squirrel over there. Maybe yes. I'll go. So a shiny object, you know, I a just week see. later, you're lucky. That's a lot of attention. I mean, <laughs> it can be like, I set a goal. Four minutes later, you're like, well, what's <laughs> happening in the war? You know, it's, it's so like, hard. None of it matters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like two minutes. I haven't looked at my phone once this whole show. I mean, I love doing a show because it keeps you off your phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how, how do you, you know, determine? Yeah. In some ways, you choose by where there is some. Look, you have energy here. You have a real community. That's that's a That's a reason to keep going. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm I'm motivated by them every day for sure. Um. Oh, uh, Rick Roberts has a question. He says, "How do you decide what not to tell on stage? Is it a case of realizing it's more for you than for them?" Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's a hot feeling you get as you say something. Don't say those things. Huh. You know, that nervous feeling like I shouldn't have said that. And you have to probably say a few things you shouldn't have said before you can under know what that feeling is. But once you know, you, <laughs> you can feel the feeling before you say the thing. Um, you, this is part of knowing who you are. You know, there are some comedians who can get on stage and they can dish and they can name names and it's this one and it's that one and they can jive talk 
and I can't say one thing about one person. It gets back. It comes back to me. I'm not just not the universe is just like, you're not that girl. You're not allowed. Don't do it. It's going to bite you in the ass. Mm -hmm. And it does every time. Well, I mean, I haven't done it that much because once it, you know, twice bitten three, you know, done. Um, and, you know, too personal, I would say this, if you're, re it's so hard because some stuff you're nervous about doing, it's just because you really are, it's exciting and important and you know you should do it, but you're a little bit nervous about it, but, and then it goes really well and it's, you feel okay about it. But you kind of, as you're learning to figure out what to do, kind of want to think about you know afterwards how are you going to feel having said that mm. um i try to stay away from rabid angry opinions about things that are i might not know every piece of information on um and in terms of revealing you know you can always say oh i said too much and it's probably funny to just catch yourself saying too much um if you can figure out what's funny about it that's also a good way to know it's not too much i mean it there's a thing of like okay well i'm gonna say i want to say this thing i feel like this is an important thing beautiful you now you found a thing i this you you feel it feels original you feel no one else is talking about it you haven't really heard people talk about it it feels important to you great you've done great work now you ask yourself What's funny about that? Mm. And maybe you don't know yet. Maybe you have to figure out, you know, is it your fish out of water? Is it that you need to figure out a way to exaggerate it more? Is there a language funniness? Is there, you know, are you, you know, are you humbled or are you shamed? And if you're shamed, maybe you're not there yet. If you feel shame, like literally shame, that's probably too far. <laughs> shame. Shame <laughs> is too far. <laughs> but, you know, they say you're only as sick as your, you know, secrets. And maybe it feels like liberating. Is it going to be liberating or humiliating? These are the things you have to. And it's a great question. And I wish I could give mm. you, you know, a a chart that says say this but not that um family stuff you know people don't want their family to hear certain things your family's not in the room if you're you know in most cases stuff you say about your family is not going to get back to them um so as long as you're comfortable don't worry about your family yet um unless they're coming to see you on the regular do they live in your town are they sending spies <laughs> you know, you're, you're probably okay to talk about your family. As long as they're not housing you and they could kick you out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, then they do live in your town. Oh, yes. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They live, you know, look, you don't want, you don't want to hurt. You generally, I think this is a nice community. You're not here to hurt people. Mm -hmm. And um, generally, your comedy should be, uh, you know, about you. So... But everybody's family, everybody's mom said the thing that's hilarious. Yeah, I've I've um I've tried I probably the thing I'm working on right now that I've said that is embarrassing that I haven't found the funny in and it just kind of gets silence is talking about being in therapy and my therapist who's a black woman asking me like what I'm afraid of and one of them was that when I go into places that people are automatically stereotyping me or assuming I'm a certain way based on how I appear. And she said, oh, so you're afraid of being black. And it hasn't gotten a laugh at all, just like now. But I've said it on stage like twice and it's gotten complete silence. I was like, there's something there. Did she mean it as a joke? Well, I, I I think she was giving her perspective as a black woman and how black people go into places and people assume a certain thing about them. Like, it was funny and I laughed in the moment, but... And did she laugh? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think, she, I mean, I think 
Maybe I need a new therapist. Well, let me tell you Maybe. this. <laughs> if it doesn't work the first time, it might be the audience. If it doesn't work the second time, it might be the audience. If it doesn't work the third time, it's the thing. But that might just mean every single comedian you talk to will tell you there's something that didn't work that they just worked on and worked on to figure out how. It might be that that's the setup and not the punchline, or it might be that you haven't set it up properly. You might need to set up by saying, you know, you might need a different setup by saying just my therapist. Maybe you're already talking about we all suffer from the same thing. We all suffer from, but it's worse for, and now I'm, and, you know, my experience and my therapist and what she's like, and now she said this thing, and um, she's right or she's wrong, or it's like when, you know, generally, if you there's something that you think is really funny that's not getting a laugh, it's because... There's a thing called a two-step joke, which is that there's needed an explanation and the audience is having to think of the explanation and then hear the joke. So you're making them do too much work. The main thing about comedy is you want it to be easy for the audience. The audience isn't there to work. They already did their job. Mm. So two of the things that you can do is make sure that your material is clear. And if something's interesting to you, then just dig in if it's not getting a laugh yet. And, um, you know, and that's the job of getting to know yourself also, doing the work of knowing who you are. You need to know yourself better than the audience. You don't want anyone sitting in the audience going, oh, well, here's a you know, privileged white guy complaining about his, you know, about his uncomfortableness. Well, big fucking deal. You know, who does he, you know, he's still entitled. Now his entitlement is embedded in his feeling like he's being, you know, discriminated against, you know. And so, you know, you need to do all that work for (laughs) the audience is ready. I mean, you didn't get booed off the stage, so I'm assuming they're open. Mm -hmm. But um, you're not necessarily, you know, doing the work yet. I just love how deep you went into my self-talk about even discussing all of that. (laughs) That's hilarious. As you were saying it, I was like, oh, this is something my, like that. She's right? in my head now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it well, you just have to do it for the audience. They're not, they don't, they, they, I just can't say enough how tired everyone is. You know it because you're tired. When the, when someone's in the audience, they're literally saying to you, I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to do any, I came to receive and I came to, be entertained i mean even as an artist you know sometimes i sometimes bristle at the word entertainment but even so like unless you're you know at the museum of modern art and challenging everybody's nor you know what i'm saying do the work i love wow that's i love that and i think that's something i i'll like i think comics will try to over cleverize something of it's like oh look i used consonants in this joke and they're like well does it make sense or not like sorry i had to use a liberal arts word there get my money's worth <laughs> but you know does it make sense well or you not know look hard hard sounds do make it funnier usually but um it's just nothing i mean it's the hackiest but it doesn't hurt um you know you're gonna get more jokes on a you know more laughs on a dick joke than a penis joke but that's just nothing. Um, Title of the episode right there. You're going to get more laughs, laughs on a dick joke than a penis joke. You know, rule of three, it's not wrong. It's just the beginning. Um, and so, but, you know, there's something I once said, and it sounds so woo-woo, but I was like, I think it's true. The rhythm of your voice is the way your inner truth rides in on. And you sound different than I do. Your rhythm is different than mine. And one of the things that happens in the beginning of your career is you start to understand your own rhythm. 
And so to hear you talk to yourself is to hear the rhythm of your voice. When I would listen to audio of Uncab, I could hear from three rooms away. Oh, that's Bob Odenkirk. Oh, that's Julia Sweeney. Oh, that's Kathy Griffin. I'm not even hearing what they're talking about, but just the rhythm. And one of the things about, you know, comedy clubs, at least it was, I think it's a lot better now than when Uncab started, but there is that comedy club rhythm besides the seven seconds of getting a laugh. There's a certain rhythm that an audience is trained to laugh at. And you want to break out of that. Mm. You want to make sure it sounds like you. And does that come from talking about personal things that you s deliver more yes. emotionally instead of formulaically? Yes. yes. And it also comes from listening to yourself. Sometimes you just hear yourself say a line and you're like, Ugh. you know, the person who asked before, what should your... What should you ask your friends? One thing you can't ask them, but you can listen for when they say it. You know how sometimes people say like, that's so you. And sometimes they say it in a nice way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they say it in a not nice way. But both of those things can be used. That's so you. Ugh, when you say, when you, ugh, that's so you. Oh, you're late again. That's so you. Oh. Oh, you understood what I meant. That's so you, you know. Oh, that's so you. Saying so that line you. is just so you, you know. Yeah. I knew that. And so you want to pull that stuff out. I guess, yeah, how you, how you are naturally funny, too. Like, in conversation. Yes. As well can be a way. Yes. I mean, it, that's the easiest way. How you're naturally funny. Naturally. You know, low-hanging fruit. It's not the only fruit, but it's not wrong. Mmm. And it still tastes sweet. And sometimes if you're an overachiever, you neglect the low-hanging fruit because it seems too easy. Mm-hmm. For sure. When it might just be a way to get, you know, get nourishment while you reach for the higher thing. Oh, and... um. Evelyn said, dick and penis have the same amount of consonants. I'm so confused. Just to go back to that, you know. That okay. People really hanging on to that there. But, but soft consonant as opposed to a hard consonant. An S is a s. But see how I made it funny? You did, yeah. You're a pro. Man, you should do comedy, man. This is crazy. I should be a comedian. I should do comedy. <laughs> To think about that well as we're we're in the the last few minutes here um i mean is there is there anything else that you want the world to know um comedy is a spiritual path you know it's an uplifted way of life it's the conversion of i'm sure you've talked in this community many times about Pain plus time equals comedy. Mm. And um, that's that's the thing. So with no pain, no comedy. But maybe a better life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, you know, I should say I do, my, my workshop is, is on Zoom now. So those of you who aren't in L.A. Uh, have the opportunity to work with me. Yeah, isn't it like a creativity workshop that you do? <laughs> It, it is, it's, I mean, it started out as just comedy, you know, mm -hmm. um, me teaching this. People ended up wanting to do more different kinds of things. So some people are doing memoirs. Some people are writing scripts. Some people really want to get funnier. And I work with those people on that. And um, I might do a breakout just comedy next in the spring or something. I had... I, there's on YouTube also, I, there's a You But Funnier hour that I did at the beginning of COVID that people can find. That's, oh, that's great. a lot of information. Awesome. Yeah, because a line I heard you say was like, you like to help people understand like their unique set of abilities. And that's something yes. that we can be blind to, whether through just like self-doubt or ego. It's like, it's like, it's not complicated maybe, but it isn't easy. No, it's very hard to see yourself fully. You know, we never really, we need, 
reflection. Um, you sometimes need somebody to tell you, oh, my God, that's the greatest story. Why aren't you telling that on stage? Mm-hmm. You know, we also get bored with our own great stuff and move on from it before it's fully realized sometimes. Well, I will definitely link all of those things in the, the show notes of this episode because if, if people, if you listen to this episode, you heard what she did for me. So she can definitely help you as well. <laughs> and after a good cry, I'm going to... <laughs> I do. People do cry in my workshop. I always say at the beginning, you know, it was, it's harder now that I can't hug people. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times if you're telling story and you cry, you're really working through what's right on the other side, which is funny. Because mm. if you're really there, it can hurt. And I don't want, you know, if I can say anything, don't shy away from the stuff that seems scary that seems hurtful, that seems vulnerable. This is exactly what the world needs from you. What's going to set you apart ultimately, you know, is this material that just seems tender. Yeah. Uh, Steve said this started as a masterclass and turned into a therapy session. So I'm, I'm sorry. No, I was at, I brought, I brought up the questions. I was the one that was like, well, here's what I said in therapy, and nobody laughed at it. What are they, racist? What is that? At the beginning of Uncab, people used to say, uh, it's just well, it's therapy. And I was just like, well, how is that bad? I mean, wouldn't you rather be have a show that was helpful than a show that isn't? Anyway, there is a difference, obviously, because the difference is, you know, one has restraint and a show has restraint and is for the audience. That's the ultimate difference, is that you're doing this so the audience can have a particular experience, not so that you heal, but your own healing is benefit. Give. Don't try to get from the audience. Give. Give. To the audience. Try to give. Wow. Just try to give. Try to give. Thank you, Beth. You gave a lot today, and I I'm so grateful Thank you. that... Um, this show has like brought us together. I love getting to connect with people like you. If if someone heard this and felt inspired and wanted to connect with you directly, what's what's the best way to do that? All the usuals. Uh, Instagram, Beth underscore Lapidus. I don't know why I put the underscore in. One of my worst decisions I've ever made. Um, <laughs> add on Cabaret also. <laughs> my website, Beth Lapidus. And, um, you know, there's a email information and all my links are up on are up in there awesome there's an uncabaret facebook group also for the young comedians uh get get in that i'm always posting stuff in that about what's going on and what's interesting oh beautiful awesome yeah and people are saying thanks beth and joel enjoyed it and really loved the interview and great information so people got a lot out of this so i'm glad thank you so much for your time beth thank you to everyone for hanging out and spending your valuable time with us here on wednesday evening y'all have a good night thanks Bye, joel there it is, Hot Breath of Verse. This interview was actually done live on our YouTube channel. We do live Q&As every single Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So go subscribe to that channel if you're not subscribed yet. If you found this episode helpful, reach out to Beth directly and let her know how helpful this episode was. And maybe take advantage of that workshop she has coming up. She is a comic that loves helping comics just like me, just like you, just like the Hot Breath of Verse. So we're all in this together, my friends. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.